Hello, and welcome to Fest Forward Advisor Talks, brought to you by Ottawa Festival Network, a not-for-profit service organization that works cooperatively with members and partners towards a vibrant, inspired, and prosperous festival capital. In this podcast series, industry experts break down hot topics in the operational and strategic areas of focus that are essential for any festival and event organization. You will hear best practices and expert advice, complemented by real-world examples and lessons learned from fellow festival producers that will help you solve problems, make decisions, and realize your creative visions. In this episode, we are joined by Victoria Steele. Victoria presents an overview of the different types of risks festival organizations are exposed to, with a special focus on financial risk and financial risk management. She'll introduce helpful practices festival producers can implement into their planning and operations. Victoria is a senior Canadian arts executive and nonprofit management consultant with a strong track record for working collaboratively with stakeholders, artistic leaders, boards, and teams to develop strategies and realize innovative projects. She is passionate about the power of the arts to transform communities and connect diverse Canadians. Victoria is a skilled leader and educator, bringing 40 years of leadership experience in arts presenting, producing, co-producing, and commissioning at both grassroots and national levels. We are very fortunate to be hearing from her today. Thank you to the Canada Council for the Arts and their support for the making of this podcast series. Enjoy the episode and please like, share and subscribe to support this series. Greetings fellow festival and event managers. When Auto Festivals asked me if I could share some financial risk management tips with you, I immediately recalled a memorable experience the first time that I became a general manager. I knew that the theater had some challenges when I was hired, but never could I have imagined being unable to meet payroll after just one month on the job. As you can imagine, the budget went out the window, I had to lay off staff, and it became all about cash. In some ways, when it comes right down to it, having enough cash to function is the bottom line. This is not unlike what so many organizations and some of my clients went through during the first year of the COVID pandemic in 2020. The pandemic completely changed how the festival and events sector operates and how it now sees managing risk as an essential tool for resilience, not just for survival, but for a new adaptive state of being. Now, before we dig into financial risk management, I'd like to share some of the risk management presentation that I recently prepared for my cultural management students at the University of New Brunswick. All right, so let's take a look at financial risk management and risk management as a starting point. So what the heck is meant by risk management? Well, there are a bunch of definitions out there. Um, and here's one for you. The It is the forecasting and evaluation of risks together with the identification of procedures to avoid or minimize their impact. Sounds obvious, right? You know, risk management isn't about trying to avoid things that are unavoidable. They're going to they're gonna happen. It's rather about how to sort of manage and mitigate so that whatever impact there is, is limited. So risk management is really about having a plan about how to deal with whatever may come up and how to minimize the impact on your organization. And of course, the kinds of risk vary from business to business and how much risk you're prepared to take. And of course, those of us in the cultural sector and events sector, we know that there's lots of different events 
and some of them we really do want to take. So here's some of the, the, the issues that we're looking at in the festival and events sector. Think of some challenges or eventualities that could be hard to anticipate but happen. Okay, a tour bus breaks down so your main act doesn't get there on time. The electricity goes off, your lighting tech doesn't show up, or your ticketing system is offline for the evening of the show. <laughs> Not anything that we want. Um, many funders actually now require risk assessments for events, so risk management really is now a must-have for all businesses. And it's much more than just insurance, liability, and legislative requirements. It's really commonplace now to have strategies in place for all those what ifs. And a reminder, of course, that risk management is part of your board's oversight responsibility. So what are some of the most common uh, cultural and events business risk categories? Well, got a list here for you, starting with financial, which we'll go into a bit more later. But there's compliance with laws, administrative procedures, lots of health and safety, as we all know so well, uh, your human capital, your intellectual property, strategic decisions around your business objectives, environmental, um, things like the weather and economic conditions and how people are feeling in general. We've been through that with COVID. And, and lastly, but importantly, the, your reputation, your organization's brand, what you stand for. So lots of things to talk about and think about when you're, when you're looking at risk management planning. So what goes into planning a risk management, putting a risk management plan together? It's kind of like planning for failure <laughs> because you're actually, by doing that, you're planning to succeed. Um, so you identify the risk specific to your organization. And once you identify, then you can assess their risk, the likelihood of them actually happening. And if so, what are strategies that you can do to prevent that? And then a contingency plan in case you actually, they do happen and you need to deal with it. And then, of course, as with all things, monitoring and seeing how you do from here. A risk analysis involved should involve as many people as you can in your process. Like your team members, they're the best, right? They live through it all they know. Your stakeholders as well, and some outside experts. So you start with some brainstorming, do some interviews, gather all that, that intel, and use your risk checklist uh, and put an assumption analysis together. And once you've identified all these, you document them and prioritize them. And I'll show you a fun little chart in a moment. But for each risk, there's sort of three levels of knowability to consider. One is known risks, okay? Something that one of your team or somebody has brought up, you know this is a risk. There's unknown risks. Um, and only a few people, maybe like an expert, might, might think of that potential risk. Maybe it's not within your team. And then, of course, there's the unknowable, something that you could never expect to uh, foresee, such as total system failure, or guess what? A global pandemic. Here's this fun chart, a risk assessment matrix. Uh, matrix. So here you can take a look at the different um, risks and the likelihood of them happening. And then if it does happen, is it going to be negligible? negligible? You can kind of live with that. Or is it, you know, actually seriously a catastrophe? And this is a really great way to categorize. 
Another tool very useful is something called scenario planning. And we all went through this with the pandemic as well, too. This is a series of what, what ifs um, that are sort of more broadly looking at uh, what would what would the outcome be if we did A, B, or C that helps you plan for a series sort of potential outcomes? A simple one could be, you know, what if we held our festival indoors versus outdoors under different scenarios? And then factoring your health and safety risks and so on. And you can have a lot of fun with scenario planning. Actually, I do. Um, and to identify a range of possible futures. And once you've got them, you can then map it out. Again, it's the same thing. What is the likelihood of these happening and what is their potential impact? If it's a low probability and it's not going to have that much impact, let's not waste your time on it. Um, but if it's, if it's actually very likely that it's going to happen and could have a high impact, you're looking at major strategic shifts. There's other planning approaches. I'm sure you're familiar with contingency planning, which is, you know, if this doesn't happen, you need plan A, B, C. A uh, simple example would be, what if your donor campaign doesn't hit its goals if you've got a revenue issue? Uh, crisis planning, of course, is you know, basically um, what happens if there's something that is a serious crisis and that you weren't necessarily anticipating. And you need to try and put together crisis planning. Some examples of that might be sudden departure of a key leader. Wow, that would be hard. Um, or maybe a risky programming choice. The, the idea behind all of this planning is to be looking ahead. The new way of planning now is often called agile. Okay. In today's climate, we need to be much more adaptive. We, we can't just take time to make decisions. We need to be quick. We need to be nimble. And agile is a way of creating sort of quicker decision-making based on your guiding principles. And here's a few of them. So agile essentials are, you start with, okay, what are your desired outcomes? So it's not every single step in a plan, but at the end, what is it that you know you want to achieve? So really clearly understand what is that future state? Okay, this festival, this event needs to look like this uh, no matter what, okay? And then some guiding principles um, so that when you're making decisions, um, you can address the shifts. Health and safety, a good example here. And then you can do responsive decision-making. You can create a roadmap with milestones, pri quarterly priorities, regular check-ins, so that you're making decisions to be agile, right? But knowing here's where we want to be at the end and never compromising some of those key guiding principles. And of course, a very useful tool, I'm sure many of you are familiar with using a range of dashboards and to trace your metrics and data and funders are looking for that. But, you know, this is also what you want for you. Um, it allows you to monitor your performance, um, financials, a whole range of different figures here. So now let's get to financial risk management. Before we um, talk some more, I ask you to just reflect for a moment on these four questions. Do you have a balanced, diversified stream of revenues? Do you have savings to fall back on in the event that something happens? Do you have strong systems in place? And perhaps most importantly, do you have 
the personnel, the team who have competencies in this area. Now let's talk some more and forget the academic lesson. All right, so let's dig into the realities of managing financial risk in small businesses and nonprofits. I mean, that's basically what festivals and events generally are. And a couple of big guys, but majority are, are that. So while all risk can have an impact on the bottom line, there are five specific types of financial risk that you and your team need to consider when you're developing your financial risk management plan. Namely, revenue risk, expenditure risk, operating risk, asset risk, and credit risk. And I'll touch on these. Okay, number one, and perhaps the most important, is revenue risk. Do you have a balanced, diversified stream of revenues? You know that old saying, don't have all your eggs in one basket? This has never been more true than um, a business like the one that we are in. Um, we are looking at earned revenues from ticket sales and merchandise. We're looking at uh, funder revenue. Most of those are project grants and rarely operating. Uh, some of you are charities. You've got donor revenue and, of course, sponsors. Very important in this sex sector. So question is, how certain are you of these sources of revenue? Are some of these soft like aspirational as opposed to certain, they have risk. So plan for contingencies there without question. And most importantly, when does this revenue, the cash, land in the bank? Um, there's a reason why theater companies and, and others have subscribers put their money up front. Part of it's to get a commitment, but it's also to get cash. Second, expenditure risk. Uh, so obviously, you don't want to commit to any expenditures if you don't have the money in the bank, right? Well, sometimes that's easier said than done, uh, especially when it comes to your most important resource, your people. So have a look at which expenses are committed. Which are the expenses you can't live without? And which ones are discretionary? And build contingency. because. Obviously, that some of them are going to in the wish-to-have category. And if you do have funds to cover it, terrific. Uh, and then take a look at when do you have to spend the cash. This is, this is critical. As you'll see in a moment when I talk about time uh, cash flow, it's all about timing. And looking at those expenditures, prioritize them and limit your liability. Operational risk. So this is the risk of direct or indirect loss caused by sort of internal failure of people, systems, processes. Uh, it also includes risks like um, security, um, fraud, uh, legal. Um, so as long as there are people, there are going to be systems and processes that are imperfect um, and maybe not efficient. So really look at your operating to make sure it's tight. Do you have strong systems in place to manage transactions? Do you have good and accurate reporting? Make it a priority. Number four, asset risk. So is this space or equipment that you own well-maintained, right? If it's not well-maintained, you're going to be spending money you weren't anticipating to fix it. 
Do you have any loans? And, and if so, are they paid off? And if they're not paid off, are they manageable, right? There's an asset risk right now with interest rates going up, for example. Um, and do you have savings or a reserve fund to fall back on in, in the event of problems? We all need to have that. And funders are okay with that. And uh, lastly, credit risk. So that's the risk that say somebody fall, defaults on, on money that they owe you. You know, so make sure you know who you're dealing with and are they good for the money. And if there's risk, um, then plan for it, you know, set a, a percentage of, you know, risk value. You could do credit checks, uh, have insurance, even if all assets as collateral, um, like advance payments from people until you have a well-established relationship. And, um, you know, really, really important to know that people are actually going to be able to pay you what they owe you. So financial risk generally relates to the odds of losing money. That's really what it comes down to. And the risk mostly referred to is that can the company's cash flow, you know, adequately meet its obligations? So let's go back to that young general manager who could not be payroll. She rapidly learned all about cash flow management. Uh, cash flow analysis determines a company's working capital. So that's the amount of money, cash, available to run the operations and complete transactions. So many businesses have, you know, annual operating budgets that set out revenue and spending and so on. Well, you know, budget is great, but do you have the cash? Okay. So not all organized use, uh, all organizations use a cash flow budget which is basically a monthly cash flow forecasting plan. Uh, you track all the revenues on when they're coming in on a monthly basis and all of the expenses. This is literally uh, tracking on a month-to-month -month the money going in and out of the bank. Yes, spreadsheets are my best friend. And adding in the timing factor helps managers predict when a problem might arise and so be able to act, be proactive in advance. It also helps them look at the interaction between regular flows of revenue and expense and one-off items. This is a day-to-day -day tool to reduce the impact of getting into a tight spot and perhaps avoid them altogether. You never want to miss a payroll. It is not a discretionary expense. You have a light legal liability to your staff. To cover monthly payroll, many nonprofits rely on revenues such as grants and things that are much harder to predict, such as ticket sales or donations. So timing is everything. You need a monthly cash flow forecasting plan updated weekly with any new information. I live by this now. And this is as useful for us as individuals as for our businesses. So what could that organization have done to avoid this problem? There are no cookie-cutter approaches because it depends really on the situation. But there are four strategies for managing risk. First, be proactive and avoid that risk. Next, reduce the risks. So perhaps by reaching out to other sources of financial support. So if you see there's a risk coming, maybe you can reach out to a donor, a sponsor, uh, even a supplier, you know, to just see, can we reduce this risk? Then you could consider maybe sharing or transferring the risk. So maybe you've got a partner who can help you out, or maybe your bank manager 
And finally, one option is to accept the risk, which in some cases may be fine, but in the case of the payroll, definitely not. So in closing, in addition to all this talk about cash flow forecasting, I have a few uh, other tips learned from small, running small nonprofit arts organizations. A lot of these are very common sense. Number one, have a very good bookkeeper. Use good accounting software to keep on top of things. I like QuickBooks. Get to know your banker and arrange for a line of credit in the good times, whether you need it or not. You may need bridge financing from time to time. Be very cautious about spending with credit cards, just as you would personally, and don't borrow money unless you know you can pay it back. Don't commit to any expenses unless you have a very good odds of being able to pay it on time. Have a contingency fund and an accumulated financial surplus. Funders do allow up to a certain percentage of your annual budget on your balance sheet as um, working capital accumulated a surplus. So um, some funders have different rules on it, but you know, it could be as much as 20%. And most importantly, make sure you have leaders at the staff and board level who have strong competencies in accounting and finance. This way, you have a lot less risk and the odds of having a wonderful festival or event just went way up. Thank you for this opportunity to share some thoughts with you. And that wraps up this episode of Fest Forward Advisor Talks, presented by Ottawa Festival Network. All of the resources and links mentioned throughout this episode will be available in the episode show notes, as well as transcriptions in both French and English. For information on OFN and its membership, please check us out online at ottawasfestivals.ca. If you have any questions or feedback on this podcast, you can email us at festforward at ottawafestivals.ca. Thank you so much for listening, and please remember to subscribe to Fest Forward Advisor Talks to catch future episodes, where we will dive into even more hot topics festival and event organizations need to know to support and grow their organizations. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and friends and leave us a review. That's all for now. Stay tuned and stay festive.